I am Citizen 44. This show is being sponsored by Phoenix, Oregon, the movie. We're all living in a simulation. Some alien race out there using our misery for entertainment. How's the comic book going? It's languishing unfinished. You don't have time because you're working your ass off at Kyle's Terrible Restaurant. 359, Bob. Cutting it close. You should be grateful that you have a job. Grateful. Maybe I'll join you. (laughs) I feel like I'm 14 again. Drawing comics and needing a ride home. (laughs) Close your eyes for a minute. I want you to visualize what you'll be doing 10 years from now. Are you serious? I think you've lost your mind. No, you're not visualizing it, Bobby. Come on, close your eyes. Don't close my eyes anymore. I feel like an idiot. You could roll. I remember. It's completely useless talent. Rising Phoenix. Come for the pizzas. Oh, my God. Stay for the bowling. Your aliens made you do that strike. It's my destiny, Bobby. I know it is. Imagine being an owner, drawing your comics whenever you want. I'm in. Serious? That's what I'm talking about. My partner, Carlos, makes this delicious dough with his hands. Yes. I got 300 scores before, but nobody ever put my pictures in the papers. You should enter our grand opening tournament. You haven't even seen me roll, Hoffy. You haven't seen the action on my ball. Mario put his money in, too. He has a right to ask questions. I'm his prophecy. I've been helping you. For months, you've been helping Mario. You are a paranoid little child. I don't know what to say, Theo. I'm leaving a lot of money on the table. Nice going. You're going down. Not your fault. Well, it's not my fault, then it's Tanya's. If it's not Tanya's fault, then it's the aliens. You need to take care of yourself, Bobby. I am fine. I am a grown woman. These could be the best years of your life. Do you realize that? Visualize. This is what I live for, Hoffy. Frame 10. These two geniuses are opening up a pizza parlor slash bowling alley. It's classy. Phoenix, Oregon. Hey, Rich, what do you got going on? There's stuff going on up at the house. I'm doing absolutely nothing, yet nothing is being left undone. You know, your people are on the show this week. People you know that you've worked with, friends and otherwise, on the show this week. I'll tell you who they are. George and Michael McDonald. No, it's actually Burley Drummond and Dylan Zamed. Wow. What do those two people have in common? They're both males. True. What else do they have in common? They're musicians. True. What else do they have in common? They have huge penises. They both uh, are affiliated with Burley Drummond Jr. That is correct. Burley Drummond Jr. is the drummer for the Everly Brothers Experience, which is Zach and Dylan Zamed. And then one of the two guests on the show today is Burley Drummond Sr., who is one of the founding members and drummer from the band Ambrosia. That's correct. You've been working on and off with Ambrosia for about 25 years. Yes, they gave me a job. 25 years ago this month, they hired you. David Pack did, the singer. He was a music producer. He was working on an album, the remake of West Side Story for RCA, and he needed an assistant. And my ex-manager from a band I was in, she connected us and 
I got the job and it was just a way to make some extra cash and it turned into a career. Wow. And 25 years later, working with a variety of people, and most recently, you're with two of your best buddies, the Zamed brothers, Dylan and Zach, who are doing this Everly Brothers Experience show, which is off the rails good, and going into its fourth year of success? That's correct. They're already booked to go back to Ireland next year, because they made quite a big splash there last year. America and Canada, and now Ireland, they're getting pretty big. That's awesome. Well, they're two of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. I know that you're literally, they're your best friends. I like my little brothers. Earlier today, you were kind enough to send me a list of the top 10 vegan cities in the world. Thank you. The first one was Berlin, Germany. Yeah, I've been to Berlin and uh, it is quite a scene there. Have you been there during the whole vegan craze or was it before? Uh, well, last time I was there was uh, the end of 2015. So yeah, it was happening. Okay. And then number two, Tel Aviv, Israel. Israel has the most vegans per capita. And the third and most interesting city to me is Ho Chi Minh City, oh. Vietnam. Oh, I thought that was in Ohio. No, that's in Vietnam. Okay. I know you're so happy to be in Ashland right now. There's no place on earth you'd rather be than Ashland, Oregon. It sounds like you're being facetious. When are you leaving? It's true, Mark. My time here is done. It is over. It's nine years now. This is my last year here. It is your last. And what has been that defining moment? What was the thing that just said, you know what? That's it. I'm done. It's turned into Groundhog Day without the lesson day in, day out, kind of the same scenery, the same vibe, the same people. Ay vey. get me out of here. This one girl that I used to date named Megan Fox. She's beautiful, as you know. But yes. There's one thing that is out of proportion. Have you seen her hands? Has she got man hands? Big toe thumbs. Like the doctor said, okay, we're gonna remove your big toe and we're gonna put it where your thumb is. You think this is God's comedy? It's gotta be. It's also the big nose episode of Seinfeld, by the way. George could not get past that nose. No. I hung out with Zoe yesterday. Zoe is getting ready to go to OSU in Corvallis, a very cool town. That's uh, Oregon State University. She's leaving September 20th, or has to be on the grounds on the 20th. My goal is to hang out with you until those last few departing days, go with her, get her checked into her dorm and dialed in with her roommate, Molly, then head to LA to hang out with my parents, the Costanzas, and then jump on a plane to a place that no longer resembles anything that I've had in my life for the past couple of years. I've done it before, highly successful. I love the idea of not knowing and just going. Traveling is one of the greatest things. Seeing other cultures, getting out of this microscopic perception of reality and going to where it's happening in different ways in other places completely differently. It's so fascinating to me that we don't do that. We don't take advantage of that. I've determined based on my travels and talking to other travelers and talking to people in other countries is the United States is the furthest away from just about everything. That's true. Thanks for being on the show. Hey everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here. Welcome to Citizen 44. This is show number 71. On today's show, we have a double header. We have Burley Drummond, drummer for the band Ambrosia, and Dylan Zamed, part of a duo. Dylan and Zach, his brother, are in a band called the Everly Brothers Experience. 
Both of my guests are really great guys that I had fun chats with. So let's waste no more time and get right to it. Here we go. How you doing, man? Beautiful. It's beyond words. Wow. That's more than I could possibly hope for. It's very kind of you to spend some time on the show. I'm aware of you for a couple of reasons. One is, I think you know Rich Reese pretty well. Yeah, Rich used to be Ambrosia's agent years ago, and he's now my son's agent in the Everly Brothers experience. Yeah, I've met your son, Burley Jr., a couple times. He's a super nice young man. And I caught their show up in Wairika. That was my first and only time seeing Burley with the Zamed boys. And it was a really fantastic show. I could see why they've been pretty much booked out solid for about three years. Yeah, they're doing good. They have a real unique product. Well, he couldn't hooked up with two nicer guys in Zach and Dylan Zamed. Yeah. It's funny how that happened. My son played with them in their original band for a while, and then we had a benefit for my uh, niece who had lung cancer, and they came and they did a couple of Everly Brothers songs. So flash forward a couple months, and my son was home. He had gotten his master's in London, and he had had a baby. And I was working in my studio, and he was just pacing behind me. I could just feel this anxiety, so I turned around and go, you know, what's going on? And he was panicking, going, Dad, I have a kid now, and I'm just doing local gigs, 50 bucks, 100 bucks. What am I going to do? And I said, well, why don't you bring those two brothers in here, and let's do an Everly Brothers album and see what happens. And literally two months later, they were working. We did an album in a month. They did a video, and within a couple months, they were working. And they haven't stopped ever since, pretty much. No, they have not stopped. And I think it's getting better and better. So it just shows you ideas can come true. For sure. And they're very popular and they're very talented. This is not luck and this is not nepotism. No. 
Both Zach and Dylan have incredible voices and are excellent guitar players and deliver a fantastic Smothers Brothers type, Everly Brothers type, incredible show. Absolutely, you nailed it, exactly. You're one of the founding members of a very popular band from back in the day, Ambrosia. Uh, yeah, I was one of the four originals in 1970 that started that band. Joe, Chris, and Dave were together slightly before me and had gone to another drummer, but it was a different name. When I joined the band, it became Ambrosia. And um, I'm forever grateful and feel very lucky that that happened to me because whatever my contributions were, that could have been a thousand other drummers that that could have happened to, and then luckily it happened to me. If you believe in magic happening, I think that band had magic. It just had all the right elements that came together. I mean, we were growing by leaps and bounds, by being together and influencing each other with our musical tastes and backgrounds. We shared some things, and we had a lot of things in common, and then we had a lot of things individually that we brought to the table that interested everybody else. It was a great learning and growing experience. It was wonderful. And you had David Pack's voice. Dave Pack is probably one of the most talented people I've ever had the good fortune to uh, work with. I can never deny how talented that guy is.
He could hit some notes, man. And I'm serious, he made me cry. I know he wrote those songs. And I was talking to Rich today and he was at some retail store and he heard you guys <laughs> still being played all the time. Yeah, that music is enduring. And there's so many things happening in the social scene out there. I mean, this whole invention of Yacht Rock Radio and Yacht Rock concerts, where that music has been brought back on a silver platter. And the millennials are embracing it and wearing their sailor hats and getting a little shit-faced and coming to our concert. So it's kind of nice.
Good music does endure, there's no doubt about it. My children, I've got a 15 and an 18 year old, and they're mostly listening to what I listened to when I was their age. I'll tell you a funny story about that. When we first had our son, he was doing a little bit of acting and commercials, and we would always listen to Otis Redding on those drives. And then he had a birthday party, and all his classmates from grade school came over. And he comes to me, he goes, Dad, they want to hear some music. I go, well, put on your Otis Redding. And then all these kids were just standing there going, what is this? <laughs> he was the only one with any kind of exposure of all his friends to anything like Otis Redding. So my daughter, who's nine years younger than my son, same mother, same family, she is so driven about finding her music and she knows more about what's happening now and ethnic music, which was my major in college. Both of my kids do, but so my daughter, she's in middle school or very young and we're on a trip and I find this cassette in the car when cars had cassette players and it had Watchtower on it and something like Little Wing, some Hendrix stuff. And for some reason that has escaped her radar. And then I noticed for a couple of days after that, that she wasn't talking to me. And I finally, you know, confront her like, like, what's up? She goes, you purposely withheld that music from my life. <laughs> you know, she was blaming me for not exposing her to those few songs. Just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that you had not heard All Along the Watchtower. <laughs> Is she musical? Oh, very. She's got a voice and soul that just kills you. How old is she now? She's 22 now, but she's in Thailand working for the Peace Corps. She's on a higher calling. Super cool, man. I went and taught English there for five months. That's what she's doing. She's teaching English in Thailand. If you can get the work, it's a cheap place to live with very peaceful people, incredible yeah. food, and warm weather with motorcycles and flip-flops every day. <laughs> I don't know what she's going to do after this. She's going to go back to her music, but it was always in her mind always in her life plan to go do the Peace Corps for a couple of years. You have to have a college degree to get in the Peace Corps. I don't know all the requirements, but I know it wasn't easy. And she was top of her class at USC. and She had to jump through hoops. It consumed her for like about six months just to get ready for this. Versus me, who just sold everything he owned, bought a plane ticket, and showed up not knowing anybody and ended up getting a job just through pure persistence. I salute your bravery, man. That is fantastic. I love those kind of stories. Where did you grow up, Burley? I'm an Army brat, so most Army bases on the East Coast, outside Chicago, Washington, Alabama. And then finally, my dad was sent over to Ankara, Turkey, when they were setting up the missiles over there. So I really got turned on to percussion in Turkey. I was at a bazaar, and I wandered into a tent. I was like seven or eight. Got overwhelmed by them hammering the copper plates and spinning huge copper plates. And my mom said I was gone for like a couple of hours, but I was just tranced out watching. And ever since then, I've been kind of addicted to trying to hit things and get a sound out of something.
sure that you're certain it's not the wrong day. Push you where people are lost in their flight to become unprecedented when they
know the best times are timeless When did you start to formalize the idea that you could make interesting percussive sounds yourself? I came back and lived in Altadena and then finally Pomona. And then when I was in Pomona, my little neighbor friend had a little toy drum set that I destroyed and had to get a paper route to buy him another one. But my parents, in the meantime, got me a small, legitimate beginner set. So I started about the fifth grade, sixth grade. And uh, of course, you know, the Beatles came on and everything changed.
can't say that I was the most natural. I read a lot of these drum interviews with these great drummers and said, oh, yeah, you know, I was three years old and I was soloing. And I wasn't that guy. I sound like a bunch of pants falling down the stairs. But I really loved it. So I just kind of kept at it. And eventually it started making sense. And I had some great teachers and things started coming together. I could always think way beyond my means. So for me, it's been a whole career of trying to be able to facilitate what's in my mind. And once in a while, I get lucky.
Are your parents musical? My dad played a little banjo, but no, not really. My dad appreciated Bing Crosby and people like that. And my mom was an army nurse. She was from the country in Atlanta. My dad was head of ordinance for the army, kind of a, a brain. They split up when I was in sixth grade, and uh, they both had problems, which ended their lives. I kind of grew up taking care of my mom too, as much as I could. They both died when I was 30, and uh, they gave me a life. I'm grateful. My mom was all about love. I've never met anybody that could love more than my mom. She loved me, and she taught me the greatest lesson of all, how to love someone. My dad really didn't understand where I was going at all. Even after Ambrosia had hit records, he was still trying to talk me into going back to school and getting a degree in something. You're married? I am. For 36 years, to my wife, Mary, who now plays keyboards at Ambrosia and sings. And has been my musical partner for 36 years now. And we still have a band called Ten Drum, and we did three albums. And we had our two children together, and I can't imagine life without her. Congratulations. That's quite an achievement, all that. Oh, well, thank you. She really, uh, she really, how do I say that? I mean, going back, Ambrosia had the Fast and Furious times in the 70s. And then in 82, we stopped. Then I think in 83, I met my wife, and that's when my life began. As good as Ambrosia seemingly was, it had its moments, but it wasn't a fulfilled life. It was going from town to town and playing music and being very creative, but it was lonely. So when Ambrosia stopped, I was fortunate enough to meet my wife, and uh, that's when my heart life began.
you were bebopping around a lot because of being a military family. So it must have been tough for you to plant roots and make friends, perhaps. I think moving around like that kind of taught you how to make friends and how to be accepted. And having musical interest in music being the common language. When I was a kid in Turkey, I could play with Turkish kids even though we couldn't speak the same language. But kids find a way. They just find a way to play and get along before um, the prejudices of whatever their parents are can creep in and shut them down. But I have great memories of playing with kids I couldn't even talk with. So I think it's the same musically. You find a way to play together.
finally moved to Los Angeles and I started high school in Loyola High School, downtown LA, all boy Catholic high school, Jesuit school. Went to school with Billy Henchy from Dino, Desi, and Billy, and later he played a lot with the Beach Boys. So I started making musical friends, discovered my bands, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and Cream was a big one for me, Jethro Tull, and of course the Beatles were always there, and slowly played in more and more bands. Then going to UCLA and being a music major, ethnomusicology, and spent years with an African master drummer, Kwasi Badu. Then I eventually hooked up with Ala Raka, Ravi Shankar's tabo player. So I was kind of really getting out into the ethnic thing, playing in the big band, all those kind of things. And then met Ambrosia. Then we started having all these various encounters that all shaped our playing and education and what we liked, what we didn't like, and what we needed to strive for. And it's been a world of learning, and I'm still learning every single day. But at the same time, I met Ambrosia, and we were doing pop stuff, country music, rock and roll, avant-garde. We loved Tony Williams and Miles and Coltrane and all those things. So every day was an education, sucking in as much as you possibly could. And the guys in Ambrosia were beyond talented. Dave Pack was amazing. Joe Puerta was amazing. Chris North. These were all killer musicians and writers. So for me, it was just a great input of music ideas every day. I understand you hung out with Ringo Starr at some point. I had one evening with Ringo. It was his New Year's Eve party. And a uh, secretary at the label that we were on invited me to go with her to Ringo Starr's New Year's Eve party. And I was incredibly shy, especially back in that period. I wasn't entertaining everybody at the party, let's put it that way. But spent the evening sitting next to Joni Mitchell and seeing Mae West come in with two bulldogs and a bodyguard. If you wanted to talk to Joe Cocker, you had to go out to his limo because he was too messed up to come into the house. And then the evening wore on. I was taken back into a bedroom with my uh, date that night who knew Ringo very well, and Ringo tooted me up. Yeah. Rick Derringer is going to be on the show, and I was watching a video of him, and Ringo was playing drums, and Edgar Winter was on keys. That was Ringo's all-star tour. Right. In fact, we did a gig with Rick Derringer. He may not remember it. We've backed Edgar Winter several times, and I think it might even have been a Rich Reeves gig. Well, Rich just said, yeah, that was his gig. When you come right down to it, everything comes from Rich. I got to hand it to Rich. He really got Ambrosia going again. I don't know if Ambrosia would have started working without Rich. We owe a lot to Rich. It was 25 years ago this month that that whole relationship began. And he looks that age, so it's been tough on him. I can just say that. Yeah. What are you doing with yourself? What's your days like? I actually try to not do more than two items musically a day. Either one session and a gig, or two sessions or two gigs. So I play a lot. I have a granddaughter, three-year-old. I have another one on the way. Wow. Well, your life is very full, it sounds like. It is. My problem is, and Rich will probably verify this, I have a hard time saying no to anything musically. So I tend to stay a little too busy. It must be fun for you to follow Burley Jr.'s career. Yeah, it's so funny because in the beginning, I get calls, texts on the road or, you know, promoters or something, and they go, is this Burley Drummond? And I go, yeah. And they go, how old is this Burley Drummond? I go, okay, you want my son. And I'd have to redirect him. But uh, 
What's great is a lot of people that my son encounters on the road are people that I've worked with, and I always get great comments back, and that's one of the most rewarding things that could happen, is to know that he's out there and people like him. I've heard a lot about you. Rich talks about you all the time. And I really appreciate you getting on the phone with me and coming on the show. My pleasure, totally. And thank you, Rich, for hooking us up. Yes, thank you, Rich, for hooking us up. You're right there, Rich. I'm looking right at you. My pleasure. Oh, there he is. All right, Burley. Thanks a lot, brother. Oh, well, thank you. Appreciate it.
Dylan. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How was Father's Day? Father's Day was good. The pre-Father's Day was brilliant. My daughter and I went to the coast and spent the night over there and did a lot of hiking around and photography and playing at the beach and the redwoods. And then Father's Day, I had dinner with my son. Nice. You're home. You're not on the road. How did you make that happen? Well, this whole year, it's a transition phase for us because we sold our house in L.A. So we live on the road, work our butts off and save. And in that time, we found Tennessee and There's so many reasons that brought us here, but we finally have a home now and our tour schedule. So we want to be able to start nesting here more. We're working it out to where we can do a spring, a summer, a fall and a winter tour. So it's going to kind of restructure things to be able to have a month on end home and then go out and really pack it with a lot of touring. Something you can only do when you lay down the groundwork that we have. So I'm home and it's rare to be home. You're talking about being on tour with the Everly Brothers experience, which is you and your brother, Zach, hitting the road, doing these phenomenal shows, which I've been very fortunate enough to finally catch when you did a show in Wairika. I was blown away. You're funny. Your brother's funny. Very Smothers Brothers-esque. And the music aspect of the show is incredible. You're both super talented, and you've been knocking them dead for three years, pretty much. Oh, man, thank you for saying that. We're definitely students of this music culture. The era of the 50s and just the way things were, then how the Industrial Revolution and business was changing and the music industry was changing and artists could be given to people through record labels and it's an amazing time and just how country music, blues and gospel, it was all kind of this convergence. It is so cool celebrating with people who grew up with this amazing part of music culture and then also to be to a new generation too. Like people may not know everything about the Everly Brothers or don't even know who they are. But yeah, we're digging into so much music from 30s, 40s and early 50s of just radio stars and brother acts. So the Everly's have been the gateway and this is why we're doing it. You guys work very hard to deliver a very high-end show and you can tell there's reverence for the music. Although it is the Everly Brothers music, You've kind of made it your own in many ways, and it's a real tribute to the Everly Brothers. Yeah, and the people connected to them as well. When we started the show, we were playing their songs like five nights a week in wine bars and bistros for three hours on end each night. And we were doing originals and covers. My brother and I felt featured what's unique about us, like two-part brother harmony and several folks that suggested Everly Brothers stuff. We grew up on their music our dad doing Grease and we were backstage hearing the music of the 50s since we were little kids. In our own way, we were raised on 50s music because of how much our dad was in Grease on Broadway. And yeah, it's a trip that we naturally fell into it and we thought that no one's doing a show about their history and how influential they were on the Beatles, on Garfunkel, on the Rolling Stones, on the Bee Gees. They were incredibly pivotal. They're not a household names like Buddy Holly or Elvis. And it just confused us that these guys had such a huge impact. And they were only rivaled by Elvis in the amount of hits they had. It's interesting and personal. This is why we're doing it. It also lets my brother and I vicariously live through the poetry of their music because it's duetable. 
so we're learning about ourselves on stage too. It must be nice to actually be home right this minute over there in Tennessee and be able to relax and do maybe nothing except use your cappuccino machine. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It's harder than it sounds. It's easier for me to sleep in hotels than it is in the house still because for the last two and a half years, I haven't been in one place in a week and I've slept in 250 different beds each year and that constant moving and there's nothing else to do there except sleep. So it's kind of easier to just sleep in hotels for me now. We're lucky to be home. It's a good feeling. How long are you home? Gosh, we're here until the 20th. We've been here for a little less than a week and leaving about two, three days. But any time back here is just great. I've already started working on recording. We have so many projects in mind. As individuals, we have projects that we're brewing on too. So it's amazing that we both have our own studios now and we can work and we have sound isolation. So pretty ideal situation. In the house, you have separate studios for each of you? Yeah, his whole bedroom and closet he's converted into an isolation booth and then recording set up. And it's great. I even have an isolation booth for my drum kit so I can play drums anytime and it doesn't bother anyone. Now all that's in the way is just having time off and my will, my will to eat the things that I already have in mind to do. So that's what I'm excited about. How did the Everly Brothers experience idea come to be? Well, it was a few things and my friends were suggesting it, older friends that we have which is Mother Mary, and also we had a friend named Buster who had dropped a seed early on, and several people heard our harmony, and they thought about the Everly Brothers. That, and then just playing their songs a lot live, and people reacting to them, saying like, oh, I love that song, who wrote it? Who's that by? Obviously their music is part of the fabric of American music culture, integral part of it, but people don't know who they are. and. We looked up the fact that Hill Everly had passed January of 2014, so their music was not going to be happening anymore. 2005 was their last live performance, and they were on tour with Simon Garfunkel. We looked into their story and how influential they were, and how many people just rave about how they inspired them to play music. So we put together a show that celebrates the history, celebrates the aesthetics of the music, and we don't see that. And with our buddy Burley, things came together really well. So the three of us started this project together, and it's growing since we started it. And within a week of the promo video that we made, we were booked for two nights in Las Vegas. This is crazy. Like Nothing we've ever put together has happened that quickly. A perfect storm kind of a thing, and still is that way, and it's growing more now, and it's great. Well, I had your father on the show, Adrian Zemed. He was in Grease 2. He was in TJ Hooker. He was in the movie Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks, star of stage and screen. And I know how relieved your father was that you guys actually had a steady gig <laughs> and were making money. And he praised Rich Reese up and down for helping you guys get your lives going in that way. Yeah, he's given us a life. If it wasn't for his ability and his amount of contacts and experience, and then Burley, we always joke around saying that Burley in high school was voted to become a cruise director because he's got that spirit that he can be so positive and keep everybody going. He's a wonderful guy. 
Yeah, our dad is happy that we're working. Burley Drummond is your drummer, and his father, Burley Drummond Sr., is the drummer and one of the founding members of the very popular band from the 70s and 80s, Ambrosia. It's kind of cool, the lineage you have with your dad and Burley Drummond Sr. Yeah, we connected over the fact that our parents are both entertainers and that it's a unique lifestyle. Your parents leaving and going out on the road and performing for the people and being backstage for those experiences and seeing that incredible electric energy that an audience and the entertainers share. You know, you don't realize when you're a kid because you just go, oh, this is my life right now. But it was really special and really unique and so inspiring. Just you feel those feelings and definitely why we have huge affinity to do what we do. You were raised in the San Fernando Valley, is that correct? Well, yeah. School years, Zach and I spent with our mom in Calabasas, Woodland Hills, and Thousand Oaks, all around the San Fernando Valley. But then every summer, we would go with our dad wherever he was traveling, whatever show he was doing. And for a whole summer, we'd just be with him and uh, good experience all said and done. We'd gone to Ireland and we've toured all of Canada and we have an Ireland tour next year in May. We do some cruise ships as well, which kind of brings us to some remote locations. And the experience we grew up with trained us to have this lifestyle. We go there and the theater directors, you had your dad here 20 years ago. So cool. If you are connected to the purpose of what you're doing, its biggest thing is honoring the project. And no matter what, every single step, every second you're there at the theater, you're on the job. And your job is to make it go as smoothly as possible and for it to be the best experience it can be and be kind throughout it all. We definitely learned a lot of that from my dad and our mom too. During the regular year when you're with your mom, are you attending school and have a relatively normal childhood? Yeah, mom made that possible for us. We went through the Lost Virgin Unified School District. She was a teacher for 25 years in that district. And if she hadn't been, we would have gone through a different school system because of the areas we were living in. At the elementary school that both my brother and I went to, she was a teacher there. She was first a yard aide and then worked with the special needs kids. And then she got her teaching degree and became a second grade teacher. So she definitely provided that root and that normalized life. She worked really hard for us to have that. Well, you're a couple of super nice guys. I have firsthand experience. Zach is older than you by how much? He's four years older. So what's it like to travel around with your knucklehead brother? Well, touring with my knucklehead brother, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the deepest experience I think I could have. And I find myself incredibly grateful. And it's just amazing that we have this opportunity to share together and to grow together. And it comes across in our show, too because it's uh, the love we have for each other. The chemistry that you display on stage, the natural juice that you have between you guys is authentically inviting, engaging, and entertaining. Ah, thank you, man. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge thing for us is figuring out how to respectfully have a presence and have fun. And we're finding our creative dynamic on stage. A good buddy of ours, Stephen Shore, been a talent buyer for a lot of shows for us. He's just such a mentor and sweet man. And he keeps telling us, let things organically grow and, and don't lose what you're giving to people. And things will come together. What do you got coming up? Where are you guys going to be? 
The next show we have is actually the second annual Heavenly Heritage Day in Shenandoah, Iowa. Shenandoah, Iowa is where Don and Phil spent a great deal of their formative years, mid-40s all the way to like 53, around there, and they moved to Knoxville then. Shenandoah is where they started their professional career, performing on radio, KMA radio and KFNF radio. At ages six and eight, they started. They were singing on their father, Ike Everly's Christmas radio show, and then it became the Everly Family radio show in, I think, 51. And uh, their career started there. And they learned professionalism in their own way because their father was an entertainer. They would travel all over as kids to radio gigs, and that's where they how they cut their teeth. And eventually, they went off to do the brother thing and see what could happen with it. So yeah, we're playing this Heritage Day that we've been able to be a part of since its inception, and we're just so lucky to be able to celebrate their heritage and the history and the history of Shenandoah too. Yeah, we're going to Shenandoah next, and then off to Grafton, North Dakota, to play up there. It's closer to any city in Canada than it is to any city in the States. The best people up there, they're so sweet. I'm excited for you guys, and uh, I hope that some of my listeners get an opportunity to check you guys out. Your website is theeverlybrothersexperience.com, correct? Yeah, all the tour dates are on there, and there's photos, and we put our stories up there. Well, I hope that people check you out and please give Zach my best. And I look forward to seeing you guys hopefully in the near future. Awesome, man. Yeah, I will. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Cheers, brother. Cheers. that's the show. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank Rich Reese for coming on and chatting up with me. It's always a good time connecting with Rich. And to find out more about Rich, go to show number three. That's Citizen 44 with Mark Ahrensberg. Show number three. My guest is Mr. Rich Reese. Listen to the show. Find out more about him and Ambrosia and all the stuff and his things. I want to thank Burley Drummond for coming on the show. A very nice man connected to this band Ambrosia that was very influential in my life. David Pack's voice melted me, made me cry, and still does. So thank you, Burley. Much appreciate it. Much appreciate knowing your son, Burley Jr. What a great young cat he is. Working with Dylan, who I also want to thank, Dylan Zamed, for coming on the show, talking to me about the Everly Brothers experience and all the great road tripping they're doing upcoming and previously and if you want to find out more about dylan and zach and the everly brothers experience go to the everly brothers experience.com all their upcoming shows and stories and things and stuff about them citizen 44 with mark Ahrensberg is a listener supported presentation to listen to all the shows simply go to castbox itunes or Stitcher. If you go to CastBox, please subscribe. I ask nothing of my listeners other than to listen, which I appreciate. But if you would be so kind, please go to CastBox and become a subscriber. That way, I can see my audience organically growing one at a time through your subscribership. So again, please go to CastBox, become a subscriber, 
I'll pay you a million dollars, okay? One million dollars to subscribe to the Citizen 44 with Mark Aaronsberg show. We'll catch you next time. I want to do a quick shout out to my buddy Dan Elster. Dan just released his first photo book called Wild Animals in Wild Places. To get your copy of this beautiful coffee table book, visit him online at elsterphotography.com. That's E-L-S-T-E-R photography.com. Thank you, Sam, Zoe, and Val. If whatever you're doing is not working, there's one way you can change that, and that's to change what you do, 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 change what you do. I am Citizen 44.